BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's like, are we going to survive? Kind of like running a sports car into a wall. It's nerve-wracking to think that a business I built successfully for 29 years is on the brink. When I got to the end of the process, it said it, it, it couldn't be accepted. They had closed it that morning because it was out of money. They said there really wasn't anything they could do. It was crushing. It was discouraging. You know, frustration. I think it's just horrible. Hundreds of billions of dollars in federal aid aimed at keeping America's small businesses afloat vanished in less than two weeks. Millions of mom-and-pop shops were left out as large corporations snapped up massive loans. What went wrong with the Paycheck Protection Program, and will a second round of funding fix the bailout that went bust? From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson here with my colleague, Amanda St. Hilaire. Good morning, Amanda. Hey, Brian. We are bringing you new episodes of Open Record each day, Monday through Friday, to make it easier to sort through this bombardment of coronavirus news. And as we record this episode on Wednesday morning, April 29th, Millions of small businesses are waiting once again to find out if they'll get some much-needed financial help from the federal government's Paycheck Protection Program. So, Brian, you've been doing a lot of digging into this. What exactly is this program, and why was it created? So this is an emergency aid package approved by Congress, signed by the president. It's aimed at keeping small businesses from going under during these government-ordered shutdowns. And the very name, Paycheck Protection Program, or PPP, suggests it was formulated in a way that's meant to help those businesses make their payroll so they don't have to lay off or furlough their employees. Now, under the original PPP, companies and nonprofits with fewer than 500 workers could apply for low-interest loans of up to $10 million each to cover two months of employee payroll and overhead expenses like utilities. The key to the program's incentive is this. If the borrower uses at least 75% of the loan to pay their workers' salaries, then most or all of the loan could be deemed forgivable. In other words, they would not have to pay it back. So I know you said low interest loans up to $10 million originally. Can businesses ask for any amount of money they want or is there a formula here to determine what they qualify for? There's actually a pretty straightforward and simple formula, and it's based on the company's actual payroll. So they have to turn those figures in. And then, again, this is designed to cover two months worth of that payroll, plus a limited amount of overhead costs, like just keeping the lights on, paying the heat bill. For that first round of PPP funding, Congress approved nearly $350 billion, and that sounds like a lot of money. So what happened when it was released? Well, it is a lot of money, but when that money was released, it was a feeding frenzy. Millions of businesses across the country rushed to their banks and filed applications, 
And in less than two weeks, that $350 billion was gone. Now, there were 1.7 million loans that were approved in that first round, an average of about $200,000 in loans per business that was approved. But a huge number of people who filed applications, especially mom and pop shops that desperately need this kind of help, they say they got left out in the cold because large corporations actually snapped up huge chunks of money and sucked the program dry. What I heard was there's an incentive for the larger banks to take those larger loans and not deal with us little businesses. Why weren't there red flags going up when companies were asking for $10 million? What small business has $10 million worth of payroll in two months? Well, I'm not really sure that's what the intent of the program was. To see an, a corporation like Ruth Chris Steakhouse um, taking money away from small business, and I think it's just the $10 million that they took could fund technically 400 small businesses like me. There's been a lot of attention over the last few days about the L.A. Lakers even getting this loan. So what are some other examples of large companies that got the PPP money? Well, there have been a number of organizations, uh, news organizations in particular, tracking where this money's gone and looking at SEC filings to see if publicly traded corporations, big companies, got a lot of this money. And they found there are quite a number that did. Famously, we first heard about Shake Shack that got a $10 million uh, PPP loan. They returned that loan after getting a lot of blowback over uh, doing so because Shake Shack is a, a large company that has access to the capital markets. They can get funding elsewhere. Not that they don't need money to help support and, and pay their employees, but they have other ways of getting it, not from a small business loan like this. Potbelly, another one, the, one the, the sandwich company, $10 million. Ruth's Hospitality, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and, and other businesses apparently got $20 million. I'm not clear how they got above that $10 million cap, how that worked through their various subsidiaries, but they reportedly received $20 million. And one of the biggest, AutoNation, which represents or owns more than 300 car dealerships around the country, $77 million. So that's a lot of money just going to a small number of companies. And these are obviously very, very big companies that if you look at their total number of employees, they clearly have more than 500 employees. So, of course, you ask, well, well then how'd they get approved in the first place? What was happening is they were applying, having their subsidiaries apply. So say dealership by dealership, they would apply a local dealership has fewer than 500 employees, so they would apply. But they are part of that larger corporation that obviously has thousands and thousands of employees across the country. And then the total amount of those loans was adding up to these millions and millions of dollars. So how is that allowed to happen? Are people looking at these loans going, oh, we'll just give them to whoever and we're not going to consider that they're a large company? Or are they not aware that these are big companies that are happening? How does this get approved? It's not clear exactly how it happened, but in talking to small business owners here in Wisconsin, uh, those, in fact, the, I talked to the uh, president of the Business Improvement District in West Bend, Mike Huzar, who's got the Huzar Jewelry Store there in West Bend. He said what he'd been hearing and talking to others and through the grapevine is that larger banks in particular, your Bank of America types, that they have ongoing, long-established relationships with very large employers, and quite frankly, it was easier for them to work with those big companies to get 
big chunks of money funneled quickly. So there was really an incentive for them to work with the larger businesses rather than having to process so many applications from very small businesses. Now, again, I don't know if that's true. I haven't talked to the banks, but what we do know is clearly the result was that a huge chunk of this money went to larger businesses and very small shops were often left waiting for word and, and ended up finding out by the time they got word back that the money was gone. Any large Wisconsin corporations that we know of that got the PPP money? Well, the one that really got on our radar was Marcus Corporation, which, of course, owns hundreds of movie theaters, but also is, and many people don't often think about this by the name Marcus, but they own a lot of hotels and restaurants, hotels like the Fister or the Hilton in downtown Milwaukee. Um, so they, their restaurant and hotel division applied for a number of these loans. And we know about that because there were memos sent to employees that were leaked to Fox 6 News. And in those memos, they described that they applied for these loans for several of their hotels. And we know that at least one of those hotels, the Milwaukee Hilton City Center, was approved for a PPP loan, at least according to the memo we saw. And that's, of course, good news for the employees, I suppose, that work at that hotel because it means their paychecks will continue. But Marcus Corporation as a whole has more than 10,000 employees nationwide and more than $800 million in revenue just last year alone, more than a billion dollars in assets. So it's a big, big company. Now, I tried to reach out to Marcus Corporation. I, I left messages with three different people called their corporate office. I did not get any kind of a response. So we don't know if they applied for these through their movie theaters as well. We don't know what their thinking was on all of this. Um, and what's interesting is we have not seen any SEC disclosures that Marcus Corporation has filed. There's an 8K form that companies have to file if they're publicly traded when there's any sort of a loan commitment that they take on. And we've seen some of these other businesses like the Potbelly and Ruth's Hospitality and AutoNation and others that have filed those 8K disclosures. That's how journalists have been able to piece together this list of big companies that got it. We haven't seen any kind of a disclosure from Marcus Corporation, so we don't have any confirmation that of how much money they got um, or how much money they applied for. We've just seen those those memos, and again, they haven't responded to us. But when we talk to some of these small businesses, very small businesses with fewer than you know, 20 or fewer than 10 employees, and they hear about that, they say that, that to them doesn't seem like that's what this program was intended for. Well, and like you mentioned, the issue isn't that these larger companies are able to keep paying their employees because that's, you know, that's something that you look at and go, okay, well, that's a good thing. These are still people in our community. The issue is that there are other avenues available to these larger corporations to get that funding. That's right. As publicly traded companies, these are businesses that have access to capital in other ways that they don't need to get from a forgivable loan program. But if you run uh, Rosemary's hair design in West Bend, you don't have access to that same kind of capital. Your option is to take this kind of government funding, get this kind of a loan, and, and keep your employees paid, or else they go to the unemployment office. And that, in so many cases, is exactly what's happening. Now, I know we've heard of some of these bigger corporations almost being shamed into giving back the loans. How exactly is that working? Well, in some cases, the, the public backlash uh, resulted in that. Shake Shack was one of the first to say, we're going to give back the $10 million loan uh, that, that we got through this program. But as the, uh, the news of this traveled and as Congress started to discuss whether a second round of funding was necessary, uh, they did come up with a second round of funding. And in that, uh, in that announcement, they 
uh, sort of the, the U.S. Treasury kind of signaled to some of these larger corporations that you might want to consider. Uh, they didn't come right out and say you have to return the money, but they said that if you are uh, a large publicly traded corporation and you received a big chunk of this money, um, if you return it within a certain number of days, I believe they have till early May, if you return that money, then, you know, there won't be any scrutiny. They sort of left uh, the, the impression that we might start really digging into whether or not you absolutely needed this money. So if you don't want that extra level of scrutiny, return the money now. It wasn't a direct threat, but it was sort of a hint that you could be inviting further federal scrutiny of your business and of this loan. Uh by by uh, giving that signal. But in the second round, they actually went a little bit further in saying that the businesses that apply have to attest that they need this money and have no other way to get it to keep their employees paid. And that is one of those things that it would be very tough for a publicly traded corporation to attest to um, when they do have other avenues for funding. And we have this second wave of money that's come out that brought a lot of hope to a lot of businesses, but it hasn't been all rainbows and sunshines. There's There have been glitches. There have been uh, caps to how many applications a bank can submit in an hour and issues with uh, all of those going through. So it sounds like we're dealing with a lot of the same issues that we dealt with with the first wave of this money. In some ways, it's almost opposite issues because the first round of funding went so fast. It was, uh, you know, the, the money was depleted within two weeks. This time around, the complaints are that the process is so slow because there's a bottleneck in these applications. And that may well be, after all the criticism of the money going places it shouldn't have gone the first time, the Small Business Administration may be more carefully processing these loans and looking at the applications more closely to see, is this a, a loan that's warranted? But if that additional scrutiny is slowing down the process. It's certainly frustrating people on the front end. The banks say they are very frustrated because they have backlogs, in some cases of thousands of applications from the first round, that they just want to get funneled through this process and the SBA is not allowing them to submit more than, say, a few hundred applications an hour. And in many cases, the banks say they can't even do that because the system keeps crashing. And so there are uh, applications that have already been filed that the banks are waiting to submit to the SBA and it's not happening. So while it's the first time the money went rapidly, this time the money's expected to still go rapidly if they can get the applications processed. But right now the frustration seems to be that there's a bottleneck in the system and everything's all jammed up. It's similar to the kind of complaints we're hearing from individuals filing, say, for unemployment in Wisconsin, where the money may be there, but people can't get through to to just file the the things they need to file to get to get the ball rolling. Now, I imagine that at least the uh, small businesses or the not so small businesses that are filing for some of this money have uh, a little better access to it than maybe the average person on unemployment in Wisconsin. But there's certainly some frustration with how long it's taking to get these applications in the second time around. Well, and Congress has signaled that there really isn't an appetite, at least at this point, for a third wave of uh, funding for this PPP program. So it sounds like this could be it. It could be. And obviously, there, there's, you know, at some point, the well goes dry. Um, and this is the second round. And the first time it was $349 billion. This is another $310 billion. Now, one thing that Congress did do this time to try and ensure that the micro businesses, the very small businesses, the mom and pop shops get access to this is they set aside a specific pot of $60 billion for small banks. Um, it, we heard the first time around that a lot of those large corporations that got the huge amounts of funding 
we're working with the larger banks, the Bank of Americas and, and some of the others. Um, when I talked to, to Mike Huzar in West Bend with the Business Improvement District, he said he worked with a small local bank and he was actually able to secure funding for his jewelry store, which employs, I think he said it was around 17 people. Um, there were other businesses in town, though, that said they, they worked with larger banks and they heard nothing back. And so they have applications that, that got them nowhere. In this case, smaller banks that tend to work with much smaller businesses are getting a set aside chunk of this money and that is in hopes of making sure that these smaller amounts of money get to the places they need to go because $25,000 to the hair salon may mean a lot more to those five employees that work there than the $10 million to a large corporation. I know we've gotten a few emails from small business owners saying they think there are too many strings attached with PPP. Is that something that you've heard from the business owners in the communities that you've spoke to? It is. And in fact, when I talked to uh, to Janet Janik, who owns the, the hair salon I've referenced in, in West Bend, uh, Rosemary's Hair Design, she wants the money. She wants to be able to keep her employees and do the right thing so that they're not going to the unemployment office. But... She said in many ways with the strings that are attached to this, they just, they're so limited in what they can do with this money that you know she can't buy products to stock her shelves so that when things ramp back up, she won't have product on the shelves. Um, there are other issues that, that she felt were very limiting. And in some ways, she said she feels like even if she's approved for this money, it's really just making the small business the unemployment office because they are simply funneling money through to the employees that they could otherwise get by going to unemployment. And in some cases employees, because of the extra $600 a week that is theoretically supposed to be coming through unemployment, some of these workers will do better on unemployment for the time being than they would if they were getting their usual salaries. So there are some cases where businesses say they're having a tough time convincing employees that they should come back if they get approved for the Paycheck Protection Program. And I did speak to at least one employer who said his understanding is they can't force them to come back. If they want to go to want to go to the unemployment office at this point, they can. Um, so there there are because of some of those strings, there's some questions about whether or not in the long run is this really valuable for some of the, the the very small businesses to get. But most I've talked to still say they could use the money, they want to pay their employees, and even the little bit that's set aside for them to use for utilities and other kinds of overhead is what might just be enough to keep them from having to dip into personal savings or close down altogether. Well, and my understanding of the way unemployment works is that if you have essentially access to pay from your job, that you don't qualify for unemployment. But technically, that's true. But some of the employers I've talked to say because the unemployment office is so overwhelmed right now, they're not they don't have the capacity right now to vet those sorts of things. It's very easy for someone in unemployment to say they are available for work and they don't have it available to them. Uh, and at least that's what those businesses fear. Now, whether or not that would play out in a real world scenario, we don't know. But uh, certainly the, the, the business owners say they fear that their employees will just choose to file unemployment rather than come back to work. I think the underlying question to all this, Brian, is, is this program enough to keep small businesses from going under? That's the purpose of it, obviously, and I think we're going to see how that plays out over time. What we need to see as this plays out is, will more of these businesses get smaller amounts of money that seem to go a little bit farther? And if that happens, you may it may be enough to by the time. Now, again, this is two months of payroll um, and two months of those extra overhead costs. If this continues longer than that, 
or if we have another wave of this, there's that discussion of maybe a fall wave coming back when the normal flu season kicks back in, if there has to be an additional shutdown, if there's an extension beyond May 26th, that's where the business owners I've talked to say, at that point, that's going to crush us. Uh, we're, this is survival time right now, but they can't handle much more. If this money is enough to keep a large percentage of businesses around a little bit longer, certainly that's a good thing. Um, the question is, is it enough and will uh, any additional extensions or, or shutdowns uh, break the system. And again, that's all stuff that we could speculate about right now. We really don't know. An extra $310 billion is better than nothing. Is it going to get to the right places? Is it going to be enough? You know, those are the things we'll learn in the days and weeks to come. All right. Thanks, Brian. We're going to continue bringing you more frequent episodes of Open Record as we cover the COVID-19 pandemic. If there's a topic you want us to discuss, an issue you think we should investigate, please send us an email at theinvestigators at fox6now.com. That's the investigators at fox6now.com. As always, we want to thank the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. And of course, please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Polson, And for Amanda St. Hilaire, we'll be back again tomorrow. <laughs>